1: This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com/excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 9, Episode 16.
2: This is Writing Excuses, coming up with a new ending halfway through. 15
3: minutes long.
1: Because you're in a
4: hurry
3: and we're not that smart. I'm Brandon.
4: I'm Mary. I'm Howard. I'm Dan. <laughs> I've forgotten what order we used to do that
3: in. You well, I to used to be me. second, but then we but did you've been gone. last time.
2: Yeah, now you're oh, fourth. Well. I know. You've just been, you you've come been back demoted. To Down
3: to the bottom of the stack. <laughs> all right. So,
2: Mary, you pitched this podcast. Let's talk about it.
1: <laughs> all right. So this just happened to me recently. I normally, I am an outliner, you know, mm-hmm. and I I like to know what the ending is so that I know what I'm heading for and what all of the plot pieces are that I need to have in place. And on a project I was just working on, I got about halfway through, and the readers who were reading along with me, I realized that the ending that I had planned was not going to be emotionally satisfying. Mm. It was going to be emotionally problematic. And this is, this is not the actual ending that I had planned, but for ease of conversation, we'll say that, that the actual ending involved having the villain arrested, and I realized that what needed to happen was the villain needed to be dead right because people were going to th- because people hated him so much and they thought he re- was he- they would think he was going to come back so so what did you do so so I, uh, the first thing i did was a lot of cursing and trying to figure <laughs> out if there was anything i could adjust in the beginning mm-hmm. to make them hate him less to to make that ending satisfying. right so you,
2: your your first instinct is keep your keep your ending right though i would say Making people hate your villain less may not usually be...
1: No, it was not a good instinct. <laughs> that was the desperate, oh, please uh-huh. don't make me have to... Right. Um, but, you know, I've chucked stuff before. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe this is out of balance. And um, and so then... But basically what I wound up doing was stopping, mm-hmm. looking at all of the threads that I had going, and looking at the things that people were, were wanting to see. And... And one of the things, the way I write is that mm-hmm. I have people reading along with me and mm-hmm. a number of them kept saying, I wish X would happen to him. This this guy, I wish this would happen to him. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at it and was like, all right, <laughs> let's deliver that. Okay. So
2: Howard, you have this happen to you quite a bit, I understand. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, all, all the time. A um, couple of examples that... Uh, Well, I'll start with uh, Longshoreman of the Apocalypse, which Mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, you can already go out and read it online. And we're going to have books uh, hitting the streets here in July of 14. Um, That book, about halfway through, uh, I realized that I had made promises to the reader that the current ending was not going to fulfill. That was the first book that, the first Schlock Mercenary book that I worked on. After starting doing the, pro- the podcast here with you and with Dan, mm-hmm. um, which is why you guys make it into the acknowledgments. Um, and it, it had started to change my process. That was also the first book where two thirds of the way through, I looked at where I was and I sat down with my writing group and I said, Hey, guys, read the current story up to now and make a list of the promises that you think I have made to you. And that was the list that they came up with. And then I sat down with a list of promises. These were not, how do you think the book is going to end? Right. Mm-hmm. These were, what have I promised you? And it was surprising. They, mm. they identified some things that they thought would be running gags. And I looked at it and realized, you know what? That's a better running gag than I had in mind. <laughs> so here we go. Um, the most memorable was when uh, Bob, uh, Bob Defendi, mm-hmm. um, I asked him about the space station and said, you know, I'm really worried because if if we, if we employ the level of destruction I've employed in the past in the strip, I'm going to kill 50 million people. And I'm not comfortable killing 50 million people in this story. And Bob said, oh, Howard, I'm sure you can punch holes in the station without killing all of the people. And and just him saying that mm-hmm. threw the gauntlet down, and a part of my brain woke up and said, oh, "Well, where would we put the holes? <laughs> well, yeah, maybe we could move some of the people." And the wheels started spinning, mm-hmm. and I ended up with—I mean, I ended up with a point in that book in which promises got fulfilled so wonderfully that it was almost as if. I wrote the whole book with that ending in mind, and ultimately that's what you want to land on, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is this is the ending that fulfills the surprising yet inevitable, that fulfills the promises, and I got there by telling my readers, telling my beta readers, to uh, just document the promises they thought I'd made.
3: Yeah, a lot of these solutions that we are coming up with, in fact, every solution we've proposed thus far involves bringing in outsiders Mm -hmm. and getting other people's opinions uh which is a great way to do it and one that i do a lot but sometimes you don't have that option yeah and uh so in a case like that the book i'm writing right now um i'm only about a third of the way through it rather than halfway but it has become painfully obvious to me that it is not going in the right direction and that i need to fix it and the solution to that was brainstorming you know not mm-hmm. removing myself from the book removing myself from the outline and in my case going and doing something else uh driving around doing chores to really think about what do i want this book to accomplish rather than what do i want the plot to be but what do i want the what do i want the takeaway to be at the end of it
1: yeah and that that was what was failing on mine as well was what the the emotional impact that i wanted to have happen and i think Mm -hmm. that going back and and again it's it's all about what i think howard said which is it's all about the promises that you're making right not just to the reader but also to yourself you know like the things that you want this book to deliver Mm -hmm. that's that looking back and going to those core ideas which is why my first instinct of looking at the beginning right was you know? Am I promising things yeah. that are mm. the wrong things well, to be? What if I
4: lower their expectations? <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's not no, like, but that's that's
4: yeah. yeah. Make them hate the villain less. Well, mm. I mean, it's, yeah. it's
1: it's you know when you're writing my genre of books, yes. the, yeah. the, the, the the bloody um, death on yeah. stage is not. Uh-huh. No, and we we're joking
2: yeah. about this. We should make a point of this. There are stories that you're writing. What you may have been identifying is um is not. It may not it didn't work in this case, but. Um, you were identifying that the promise you had made was the wrong emotional ending. Yes. You were promising terrible death to villain, where your story is not about the villain. Right. Your story mm-hmm. is about characters. Exactly. And, um, and the, the plot they go through. And if all the eyes on we are on we must kill this villain, bringing that villain down is actually a good thing to do. You know. And making the emotion, you know, will the characters get together? I can imagine a story where if everyone's like what about the villain and ignoring the character relationship thing which is where most of your your story is yeah. that you're going to have you're going to have a misfire on your book.
1: Yeah, like in in Glamour and Glass. Yeah. If I had had Napoleon on stage Right, right. At any point i would have had to have dealt. i mean granted right. there was waterloo but right. i would have had to have had scenes dealing with napoleon right which were. but your the-
2: book is not about napoleon exactly and your no. book is about yeah, yeah. jane and, and so vincent the,
1: that's why going back to the beginning was my yeah. first instinct to look at what what promises i was making right and when i looked at the beginning on mine i was like no these are the promises i want to be making i was mm-hmm. just in error in the way i had the plot structure
0: yeah
3: you, you need to when you're looking at those promises you're not just looking at am I fulfilling them correctly? But you also need to look at, am I promising the right things? And am I promising enough? Mm -hmm. That's the problem with my book is the book was not making big enough promises and I knew it would be unfulfilling at the end.
5: Hey writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app.
2: Let's stop for our book of the week. Dan, you're going to tell us about Vortex.
3: Vortex. Vortex by S.J. Kincaid is the second book in the Insignia series, which I raved about a couple years ago. Um, It is teen cyberpunk, um, kind of like a cyberpunk ender's game, cyberpunk Harry Potter. Um, I loved Insignia. Vortex is even better, Mm. uh, in particular for me, because it ramped up all of the political ramifications of the book, which seems like a, a weird thing to, to to praise in a YA, but she makes it work. She really brings in the, the government and the society of this cyberpunk world and explores it and explores all the problems all inside of this very fun kind of video gamey book.
2: Awesome. Howard, how can they get it? Vortex.
3: Oh.
4: Head out to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse, pick up a... or I'll start a 30-day free trial membership and get a copy of Vortex by... S.J. Kincaid. S.J. Kincaid. Do we know who the narrator is? I don't. Oh, well. It's going to be read to you, which is just a spectacular luxury. and uh, Luxury. Luxury.
2: And we will continue on. So, I want to talk about how to do this, specifically, I think there are things you need to be prepared for before you as a writer end up in this situation. And the number one thing I'm, I I think we need to make note of is even if you're an outliner, and I'm an outliner, you need to be ready and willing to come up with a better ending mm-hmm. if your story doesn't go either the route you wanted to, or even in writing it, a lot of times you're following the, uh, the outline, you're realizing your outline was wrong. Um, flexibility is vital for creating, uh, great stories.
3: Yeah. Yeah. When your reader gets to the end of the book, they want to be satisfied by a great story, not satisfied that you fulfilled the outline you arbitrarily created for yourself.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And, um, I think this is where newer writers have a problem sometimes is when we talk about this idea between outlining and discovery writing, they assume that it's, you know, very strict where, I don't think there's a writer out there that is really strict with either method they're kind of cherry picking the parts of each method that work best for them
5: yeah
1: in fact with this particular one what i wound up doing was pantsing for several chapters Mm -hmm. uh, in part because i had a deadline that i had to hit right um so i couldn't actually stop writing gotta keep writing gotta keep
2: that momentum going exactly and you'll you'll figure something out as you go along and the more you train yourself as a writer better that works
1: yes because one of the things that i know is how structure works and i know Mm -hmm. structurally the kind of area that i was still aiming for so i could pants but i would pants and then outline like three chapters forward and then pants and then outline three chapters forward and eventually i was like oh that's where and and so the last the Mm -hmm. last quarter of the book yeah. It was all outlined, but then I had to go back and do major structural work. It's very rare for me to have to do two two full right. drafts, but like I cut three characters, major plot threads, all kinds of stuff. But it is it is about putting in the time and and learning all of the tools in your toolbox and being mm-hmm. able to use whatever tool. You've yeah, the got.
4: the toolbox. Um, I I just finished a, a about a ten thousand word story, and the last. Three words of the draft I had sitting in front of me before my final writing session. The last three words of the story were write good endings. <laughs> <laughs> and was well, here's the thing. I knew the state of all the characters at the end of this story. And that was not something that was flexible. This was not the kind of story where I could I could adjust that dramatically. What I needed to do was wordsmith the way i describe their situation in a way that ends up satisfying the reader fulfilling the promises delivering something that's surprising and so i read and edited 9500 words and then wrote 200 that pulled from the the other stuff and this was cases where i, I you know i used repetition uh, there is a word I want to use at the ending, and so I need to make sure that I drop that word in one or two places mm-hmm. here and there without telegraphing what's coming in the ending. Um, and then there were words that I needed to not use because I needed them to be surprising. And so I needed to go through the manuscript and remove words that I had already used. And yes, this was a, this was very much the, the wordsmithing toolbox as opposed right. to plotting. Uh, everything about making those last two hundred words right was about fine tuning the first ninety five hundred so that they supported them
3: yeah you know if if you are halfway through a book and you realize that you need to change your ending uh, one thing that works very well for me we 've talked about looking at the promises you 've made. look at the mantelpiece and see if there 's any guns on it Yep. right um, I had in ruins there was a big catastrophe that part of and i 'm trying to be vague part of the plot was you know it was obviously set up as this is an obstacle that will be overcome on our way towards the end and at some point in trying to fix the ending i realized wouldn't it be so much cooler if that gun went off instead of not went off yeah and that changed everything and it made it all work
2: yeah i would say that uh for me this doesn't happen a ton but what does happen is i am holding my ending in my hand as i am writing the earlier parts of my book and my outline i am massaging and i'm changing Mm -hmm. and there i'm never writing the exact ending that i planned and i'm always kind of building around it as i'm going and once in a while you're like this ending is just it's becoming overgrown and i've got to chop it down and say what is it really what is this ending really going to do other times you end up throwing it away. But this is the part of having a living outline like I like to do as you're work, working through your book. And um, it's about knowing your process. It's about knowing what the tools you have are. This is why practice is so important. This is why we emphasize it so often is you will be able to come up sometimes once your ending falls out with a better ending on the fly because your instincts are so good having written for so long.
1: Yeah, one, one tool that is useful doing this, we've kind of all sort of, danced around when we say go back and look at, is actually going back and reading your manuscript.
5: Mm. Yes. Like,
1: start at the beginning. You may not need to read all the way up to where you are. Right. But if you start rereading, not with the idea of I'm going to edit it, but just let me see what what I am promising, where the mantelpieces are, what are the, the the different things that I'm dropping. Right. A lot of times the answer will become self-evident, which is part of what happened. I've, I've talked about this actually uh, with Shades of Milk and Honey on a previous podcast. Uh, in the original Shades of Milk and Honey, uh, the the uh, the couple who, I don't know why I'm talking around this still, but Jane and Vincent don't wind up together. That's, that is not, she winds up with somebody else. Well, right. that wouldn't have been ending. a
4: satisfactory ending.
1: I know, <laughs> which is why I junked 20,000 words and rewrote it. Um, yeah, in the original, she wound up with Dunkirk. Oh, wow. Yeah.
5: Okay.
3: I kind of want to read that uh, director's cut. Yeah. Alternate ending.
2: Um, but tools, be aware of your tools.
1: But So being aware of the tools, uh, reread... Um, Looking at ending repetition is a really Mm -hmm. great one. Uh, And for short fiction repetition, that that resonance will, in particular, uh, works really well. Mice Quotient.
2: Right. Where'd you begin your book? Can you or your story? Yes. I keep saying book. and okay. Mary always reminds me this is people write short fiction too. Yes, I write short fiction too. And she's I'm so you, used to talking about your definition about books. of short fiction is different
1: from most people. That's true. <laughs> but yes. I write short er shorter fiction. fiction yes. <laughs> um, but but my quotient is very useful for that. Uh, mm-hmm. We recently talked about the uh, the sympathy that the the, uh, mm-hmm. the character sliders. Yeah. And looking at those, but bringing out all of these tools and looking to see which of those will solve your ending and then if none of those are working hand it to uh, brainstorming is a good right. one as well hand it of, to Hand it to somebody else hand it to somebody else yep. and just don't ask them to tell you what ending what the ending should be but
2: what promises do you think have been made yeah, yeah the one warning flag i'm going to raise on this we talked about rereading the story which is something i do a lot now as I, and i do a, i do a polishing draft Mm -hmm. Um, in order just to focus on language, which lets me reread my story and dump it all kind of into Ram again and things like this. But, um, I do want to warn you're, you don't want to get fall into the habit of rewriting your story halfway through and rewriting your story Uh halfway through and rewriting your story halfway through. Uh, this is a big danger that does strike some new writers. Um, and if you are always getting to the same point point, and revising completely, and then starting over and writing basically a new book as you're revising it, that is an issue that you're going to have to find a way to work through. Otherwise, you'll never finish anything. And it's finishing things that will teach you, you know what? That's how the, to finish that's things. That's the extreme
4: yeah. writer challenge. If you yeah. find yourself in this sort of a bind where you keep getting to the halfway mark and you don't like your ending, then treat this as an opportunity to write all the way to the ending yeah. and force yourself... To just muscle down and come up with a good ending in your last 200 words. Yeah, yeah it, it is. And maybe you'll fail, but now you will have written to the ending of the book, and you need to know what that feels like. Yeah.
2: If, and both if, Dan and I did that on our first book. We
3: did, and and it was dumb. You have to realize at some point yeah. that the, the way to write a good ending is to write an ending, not to rewrite your beginning. Yeah. yeah. You know. It, All right,
2: we're out of time, um, so I'm just going to stop it here and give us give our writing prompt, because I think this topic leads us to a really cool writing prompt, which is take a story you've written before and decide upon a completely different ending and write that ending for your story. Then you ask yourself, how, you know, what emotional resonance would I have to change in the beginning? What would I have to revise in order to make this ending work? Maybe you'll be able to find one that doesn't require any changes and is a completely different ending, and I think that would be awesome. So give this a try. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write.